offices, the law offices, of Painovich and Boscovich. We'll be serving you today. Injured? Hurt in an accident? Um, anyway, here we are. What's up? It's uh, me and Borzoi with our new show, Painovich and Boscovich. Welcome to the LOL, L-A-W-L offices. Uh, if you've been hurt, if you've been injured, and if you need a dose of racism and anti-Semitism with an intellectual twist, this is the show for you. So what's going on, Borzoi? How, how have you been doing? Well, Happy New Year to everybody first. Yes. I've had a very good New Year. I've made a couple resolutions and started off strong on them. So Yeah, so far. Pretty good. Uh, this year has been good. Nothing terrible has happened to me this year. <laughs> <laughs> but no, let's keep it that way. Yeah, let's try and keep it that way. It's been good. It's been good. Um, I had a, we had a good holiday. Although we still did shows last week, so you know, really, um, somebody was making a comment critical of Sven, saying like, oh, "Okay, so this guy doesn't recognize like the cosmic significance of the changing of the year, but he takes the day off anyway." I was like, I don't, know that, I don't actually know that he takes that that Neil deGrasse Tyson viewpoint of things. But um, anyway, there actually is, <clears throat> amazingly, interestingly, this holiday season, a lot was going on. A lot yes. has been going on, and a lot has happened today. And I guess it makes sense that today is the day that Gay resigned. Um, so it's a story we've been following on the network, on TRS. Is the Jewish attempt, uh, the Jewish basic attack on the Ivy League institutions, or really, I, I guess the best way to put this is the Jewish bringing to heel of these institutions over over specifically the Israel issue. There, there are some that want to read more into this, but I really don't think that they are justified in doing that. This is simply a, a Jewish smackdown of elite Ivy League colleges to make sure they they ultimately they fall in line over Israel. Yeah, you had, you basically had this inner Jewish dialectic going on of the, of the more hardcore Zionists basically being proven right from their perspective that no, you do not have a handle on these students. You don't. You you need to. We need to bring these back under control. Right. We can't let these people go off the way that they're going off. Right. And and so the question is has been for a while like what what are Jews going to do with the radical left that they have empowered uh, through, you know, anti-whiteness with what they what conservatives call DEI or anything other than anti-whiteness, or critical race theory, all that stuff, right? Um, what are they, what are Jews going to do with that over like the Palestine issue? And, um, you know, after Gay resigned, because of course, Gay went to Congress and then uh, she was set up. Interestingly, she was sort of set up along with um, uh, McGill, the woman from uh, what was it, Penn. Uh, to the pretense was that th- these people are su- are supporting genocide of Jews, like on their campus, which is silly because they they made it about um, <clears throat> Elise Stefanik, who's just like a chubby magatard Republican, was like owning them in the congressional hearing, saying like you're using the word intifada and you're saying from, you're letting them say from the river to the sea. And these are things that mean kill all the Jews. Of course, that's just a, just a very dishonest way of presenting that issue. Nonetheless, every newspaper and media outlet afterwards ran with the fact that Claudine Gay fumbled her response to whether or not she would allow students to call for the genocide of Jews on Harvard's campus. Um, when it was obvious that that was a, the whole, the whole line of questioning was a fake setup to begin with. Uh, and then, so then they, after this, they, they get rid of the woman at Penn and then all of these plagiarism allegations come out about gay and (laughs) I forgot to get down to repeat big gay gay, down. Gay, gay, gay. I keep, I forgot I forgot to, to to hit the gay for gay because that's sort of the. I was wondering thing. if we were going to be doing that yeah. or not. Oh, we're going to be doing the gay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can't believe we got an actual recording of her saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what she said when she walked in. She tested. She put her hand on the Bible and testified before Congress and was like, "I'm gay." But um. <laughs> but but like uh. So, so then there was, and of course we talked about the plagiarism last time we did a show a couple weeks ago. Um, 
when we're saying like this is just to be expected with any any black that's uh accomplished that's gotten to a high level and you were talking about how well uh you know the the thing is that they've now trained segments of of the left to just um accept this to just accept that yeah like in order you're going to need you need to have all these blacks around and in order to have them around you're going to have things like plagiarism and we're just going to accept it and that actually happened in that last week um there were dueling editorials in the Harvard Crimson which is like the Harvard student newspaper one was by the mainstream which was like yes Claudine Gay plagiarized but no she shouldn't resign and then that was the editorial board opinion of the Harvard Crimson and then the dissenting opinion was written by two Jews and they were like no she should go and then they went, they immediately went into like she should go because of the plagiarism but then like long like spiel about like the allowing of anti-semitism on campus so we <clears throat> can set up kind of like almost a- a, a Finkel type issue with this as well by having the left response being, well, everybody plagiarizes. She's being singled out because she's black. They can, they can actually pull, <laughs> try to pull a race card on this. Of, of course, they're going to come up against the Jewish wall on that, but it yeah. doesn't mean they can't try it. I don't, I, I'm sure that they will. I'm sure that there are blacks that will. I don't know how many others will, but I think one part of this conversation that is getting lost is the fact like there's a number like for us this story is just a smorgasbord right like this oh, is yeah. like it's like a buffet like i could pick what i what i want to dine out on like uh, uh, from this story like all night because the entire story proves us right about everything it proves us right about race proves us right about selective select uh you know anti-white selective selection for race and ultimately about Jews, like all of these things are, are our narratives. We're the only ones that can actually explain all of it. And now you have conservatives out there who, since she, she resigned today, I guess it's like, you know, it's the first day after the New Year's holiday. So then she's like, all right, I'm out. And of course, the replacement is a guy named Alan Garber, who was the, uh, it was a Jew who was the, um, uh, the provost of Harvard before. And I remember when <clears throat> years ago on national justice, when Stryker did the article about um, seven of eight of Ivy league presidents are Jewish. I also looked into their provosts and like a bunch of those were Jewish too. Now I don't believe we did a rundown of Ivy league presidents um, in this space. I think last time we did the show two weeks yeah, ago, two weeks ago. Yeah, we did. We went through yeah. all the different presidents. So as far, from what I, if I, if I'm not mistaken, that makes right now 50% of Ivy league presidents are, are Jews because the Yale, Princeton and Dartmouth have Jewish presidents. And now Harvard has a Jewish president or interim president. And I'm sure the new president is going to be Jewish. And Penn doesn't have a president, but the board of trustees, the head of the board of trustees is Jewish. And at Penn, not only the president, but the head of the board of trustees stepped down. And so they, a Jew took over as the head of the board of trustees. Oh, okay. Because currently they have on Wikipedia, J. Larry Jameson as the interim at, at Penn. Okay. So they, they did get an interim president at Penn then. Okay. I hadn't yep. followed up on that totally. But um, so, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> J. Larry Jameson. <laughs> J- yeah, J. Larry Jameson. <laughs> that's that's what is that guy a Jew or is that just like? Uh, it doesn't sound like a Jewish name. I'd have to look into him. And anytime you hear someone named, yeah, well, I don't know, it could be, but yeah, J. Larry Jameson. <laughs> anyway, um, what's funny about this is well, th- everything is funny about it. So, but now we have then Christopher Rufo and some other right wingers are out there saying like, like doing a victory lap on this, and I'm like. I don't really see it. He what did he say exactly? Let me let me grab let me let me look at exactly what he said in his tweet. He said Oh the UFO thing. He said this is the beginning of the end for DEI and America's institutions. We will expose you, we'll outmaneuver you, and we will not stop fighting until we have restored colorblind equality into our great nation. And then someone had posted to me this other account, um, Malmsbury Man. I don't know what who this is. I guess it's some like just like right wing account on Twitter says, yeah. vitally important to remember that all the situation in Israel precipitated her crisis. What ultimately did her in was that her claim to academic achievement and leadership ability was founded on lies. This is a dagger through the heart of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, this, that this guy seems like a 
reactionary type because he's got the Leviathan, Thomas Hobbes right, uh, right. avatar going right, on. Right. Now, now with that, I'm saying that's like a more defensible statement. Sure, it's a dagger through its heart, but it's it's not going to kill it. It's not going to kill it. So, what I think is going to happen is basically Jews are going to just keep doing diver- the DEI anti-white race stuff, and they're just going to carve out some unprincipled exception for Israel, and they're going to browbeat. They're going to browbeat the liberals into just accepting that, just eating that. Yeah, I mean, it's this is going to give conserv. Well, I mean, not not conservatives. This is going to give people white nationalist types who think that the path forward is through conservatism. It's going to give them the false idea that, like, see, we can win on these things, and that. But again, like, it's Jews yeah. are getting what they want, not conservatives. Right. It's it, the thing is, it's sort of like it's. I I, I see that narrative developing. Um, I don't know how many jewel aware people are actually gonna. I mean, I know that you know at the beginning of the war we had people like Thultide, etc., trying to sell us like if you side with Israel, you can get like immigration changes. That that just that was never true if you, if you side with jews you can get a harvard president removed clearly that's something that the vast majority of americans have going on in their lives that they need rectified well that's my thing it's like but they were they were selling it more like we you can get changes to like immigration yeah and i'm like no you can't and and i think we've definitively proven that you can't i mean it's been now two and a half almost it's almost three months in to the war in israel and like there's no sign of any changes to immigration. Um, border crossings anywhere. are also at, yeah, border crossings are at an all time high. I saw right, yes. a news report today of on cable news of them talking about it explicitly. Border crossings all time high. Yeah, no, it, it was on MSNBC of all places. Right, and and like uh, yeah, and that that that's going to bleed into the, another topic that we have coming up that we're going to talk about this, this issue of the border and things like that. But like again, for this, it's just it's it's like. With those type of conservatives, my, my point to them is just, like, bros, no. Like, I don't know if you're lying or you're fooling yourself or what. Like, I can't read your mind. I think with Christopher Rufo, it's probably a combination of, like, both. But the fact is, this is just Jews getting their their way. Like, I don't see a win in here for whites other than, like, LOL, yes, of course, like, the Harvard president is, like, a plagiarist. Because that's just – but that's just, like, everyone knew that. <laughs> I mean, if I didn't know that, like, I, I would have known if you were to ask me, right? Like, did, how, did do you think that, like, there's any shady stuff in Claudine Gay's, like, academic background? I mean, like, yeah, obviously, she probably did some cheating or something like that. Or or she was given a pass on not, not being as good or as smart as others. I mean, my theory is actually that she didn't plagiarize, but that her um, her thesis advisor just wrote her papers because the what she was accused of is paraphrasing him or whoever it was. Whoever her advisor was on her thesis, uh, that's the person that she's accused of, of plagiarizing from or paraphrasing without. Yeah, she forgot to put quotation marks essentially as what her excuse so I was. Think that, that. I think that person just is the one that wrote the paper for her. Probably. And so he just plagiarizes paraphrase himself. It's it's <laughs> not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it, this has very little to do with it, but. I was reading uh, a book by Stuart Jeffries on postmodernism, and he has this whole thing. But this is artist Sophie Cowell, uh, French artist, and Baudrillard was her professor, and he just passed her because she said, "I hey, I just need to get a degree so that my my father's happy." And he's like, "Okay, sure." And he just, he just he just passed off other students' papers as her as hers and passed her. So if if, if a French professor is willing to do that for his French student, I can only imagine what American professors are willing to do for black students. So right, yeah, sure. right. Right, and there were then people who then were accused – were the people that she was accused of plagiarizing from who came out and said, like, I don't consider this plagiarism. Like, you know what I mean? So – and again, I, I don't know enough about plagiarism as as it's treated in, in serious academic institutions, like how seriously they take an issue of paraphrasing without, without – um, attribution or not putting something in quotes or whatever it's it is supposed to be taken deadly seriously because i remember mm-hmm. um th- david mccullough got into trouble m- many many years ago for similar issues in terms of uh attributions within and like pl- and supposedly plagiarized passages from one of his histories 
they ostensibly are supposed to take it extremely seriously, but it's one of those things where it's an open secret of how unseriously this is actually taken in day-to-day academic life. It's it it's because it's uh, that the whole academic network is all about who you know and what you know what position you're jockeying for and who you're yeah. who you're pleasing. It's just it's you know it, you basically take it seriously when you want to take somebody down and then you don't take it seriously for everybody else. Right, that's pro- that's sort of what it seems to me and it seems like it's also the thing where you're not going to get caught unless there's scrutiny applied. Mm-hmm. You know, unless there's serious scrutiny, unless it's really blatant and obvious, yeah, uh, then you might get caught. But otherwise, you if it's something like you know some little known thing or whatever, like uh, who's going to even follow up and check your sources or whatever, right? Even like I don't, I don't even think like college professors really do that as long as the citations are there. But um, but yeah, but because they wanted to go after her, they did, and of course, as we learned with the plagiarism with Gay, that um, they had done the investigation at Harvard. They had done an internal investigation and essentially like cleared her and decided to keep it secret, Um, which is exactly what you'd expect. And then it got leaked to the media and got leaked to the New York post and it got leaked to city journal and city journal of course is the, is the journal of the Manhattan Institute, uh, which is the chair, I believe is still Paul Singer and which Christopher Rufo works for. Um, at least I, that's the last time I checked who he worked for. I think he was working for the Manhattan Institute. So he's like a fellow there or something like that to talk about, about these things. But no, there, this is simply Jews. And if it wasn't literally, if it was not literally for the fact that Jews demand that the top educational institutions in America not allow students to protest them committing genocide, that's what's going on. Just so everyone's clear, in order to score this blow, this blow against DEI, in order to to, to, to to bring this hammer down on the DEI establishment and Claudine Gay and Harvard, you need to basically enable and facilitate Jews just committing genocide against Palestinians. That's what this is about. That's what Chris Farufo is doing. He's not bringing back colorblind equality. He's not striking a blow for white people or against critical race theory or DEI or whatever he's saying. He's not doing any of that. What he is actually doing is simply helping Jews to force liberals to look the other way at their own crimes. And just and just to have a totally unprincipled exception for them and just like let them get away with genocide. That's what he's that's essentially what he's participating in. So it's all on the Jews' term. It's all to benefit Jews. White people don't benefit from this at all. I don't benefit at all from Claudine Gay not being president of Harvard and this Jew stepping up into her place. Not a single white person is better off because of this. Not a single border has been closed because of the war in Gaza. Not a single like white person has gotten like anything. So, <clears throat> you know, Jews are moving to the right, so-called. But that's not going to help white people. As Jews move to the right, they're going to recruit a multiracial coalition of the so-called working class, but really just a multiracial political coalition to be the people on the right that are your figureheads that are like – and they're going to even be like trannies and faggots and, and blacks and everything. And that's going to be your like Magatard thing or your GOP and they're going to be anti-woke, they're going to be anti, which isn't going to really mean anything because they're effectively going to be just as woke or just as anti-racist. Like they're, they're, Their basic thing is going to be woke people do racism of low expectations. We don't do that. We have colorblind equality. Meanwhile, they are absolutely going to artificially select for like niggers and trannies in their ranks. It's just, it's so fucking fake and it's so obvious what's going on and it's very tiresome. Yep. I mean, that's what Rufo is doing is he's selling this. He's going to sell this as, well, two things. like You can stop, quote, unquote, wokeness. And it also serves that narrative that wokeness is anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic. Yes. Wokeness yes. is anti-Semitic. Yes. And all this fits in with, with the same plan for what they want, the center-right party, as, as it were. Levitsky and, and Zblat have written two books, uh, one a l- little bit more informative than the other, but How Democracies Die and mm. Tyranny of the Minority, which is actually what we just did that yeah. hyper podcastism about. And their whole thing is that you need to stamp out within these populist, 
quote-unquote anti-democratic authoritarian forces within the right wing, but you de- you need a democratic uh, right wing, solid right wing, which you guys, you and Strucker have covered this before. Zibel and Levitsky have this whole thesis that if you want to stop radicals, if you want to stop Nazis, you need a strong center-right party to do this. Mm-hmm. And they explicitly call for an, a multiracial coalition yeah. of people who are going to be that. So all this yeah. fits in with what they want to see the Republican Party become. They want they want they want Trumpism without the tendencies of Trump and the tendencies of Trump supporters that create yeah. these unstable conditions. And they're going to get that eventually because once Trump once Trump is gone, which will eventually happen whether he becomes president or not, um, that, that he'll eventually be gone, and then the there'll be zero impediments to the Trump movement becoming what the Trump movement outside of Trump already is, and even Trump will go along with it too because he doesn't really give a shit. But like it's it really is just like niggers and faggots, um, and that's that's what the Trump thing is. So this whole sometimes both, yeah. And, and frankly, <clears throat> been talking about Jews so called moving to the right for like a year now and they have been where they they're they're like in europe this isn't new because this is this is the way it is in europe like um although i'd I'd have to look at exactly the numbers but like in england say the uk significantly more jews will vote like conservative than labor than would be the split with democrat and republican in the u.s where it's like overwhelmingly it's like 70 30 or 80 20 or something like that but that is going to be shifting now that is going to be shifting uh, to the to the right. Jews are shifting to the right, but they are not shifting to like a white right. In fact, as they shift to the right, the right becomes more anti-white. But it will become yep. more pro-Jewish. Uh, it, it'll become more Zionist, and it will be it'll become more anti-woke. Um, and, and it'll have some cri- criticisms of wokeness and things like that that sound vaguely like they might be kind of pro-white. But um, really, in the end, aren't. Um, And, you know, like uh, a number of Jews have come out against um, some DEI. Like Abe Foxman came out against it recently, uh, saying, like, we need to replace. Basically, they're all they are saying now we need to replace DEI with like colorblind equality. But here's another here's a question for people that say that just straight up. Like, how is it? How do you know that Claudine Gay wasn't the result of colorblind equality. Yeah, I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. plagiarized, too. Do you got a problem right. with that? Right, right, right. I mean, but, but I mean, let's assume, I mean, I guess the plagiarism scandal would be what their answer would be, but, like, they assume it with, with any black person. This is one of the complaints. It's funny because this is one of the complaints, right, that, that they, is that supposedly some of the make is like, or that some people on left or right make is that, like, hey, you always just assume a black person is a beneficiary of some kind of affirmative action. You never assume that they've earned their position. I'm like, right, well, because they haven't. Yeah. I assume that, and I'm always right. I'm always right because there's no – there's no. it doesn't exist that there's like a black person that's actually the best person for the job ever. It's just – it's not true. Like they're just – it's ne- maybe, maybe in sports or in like music, but other than that, you just don't have a place where where you can honestly say a black is like the best person for the job ever. There's always going to be a white person that's better than them. Uh, yeah, I mean, just, they're just always it's, going to be. Even when you think there's an exception, there almost never is. Mm-hmm. So having so the colorblind equality, like we all know, that's going to be white people will be the beneficiaries of that, right? But that's why that's how we also know you're not going to get that. Because I would love to ask Chris Rufo, what if the results of your colorblind equality mean that white people once again like dominate all these institutions? I think their expectation is that it'll unleash the potential of Asians to basically keep white people numbers down. I mean, Rufo's married to an Asian. A lot. That's yeah. what a lot of the. Oh, that's where a lot of these. Uh, these guys that that marry Asians end up is in the kind of the Cruz, Christopher Rufo position, and they end up advocating for a uh, for Asian people within academia on these affirmative action type stuff. <laughs> Asian people are net beneficiaries of it, like yeah. they are. This has actually been shown. Um, we we had some stats on this earlier this year. I think there was the, the basically that that um, 
when the Supreme Court uh, overturned affirmative action, <clears throat> there were some stats that were showing that, um, w- w- like, again, it was estimated, but it was, like, with or without, like, class makeups with or without affirmative action. And, like, with affirmative action, you got more Asians than you would without. So, like, Asians are beneficiaries of it. Like, it's just that they're, um, you know, they're like not. James covered. I feel like James covered this yes, and he going did. through his he telegram right he now. He absolutely did. He absolutely did. It's going to be a little bit a while back, but like I know I remember we covered it on on TRS too. Like everybody was covering it. So Asians are in fact the beneficiaries of of affirmative action. They actually do benefit from it. Um they get more admissions and they get into college more so than they would otherwise. White people are the only people hurt by affirmative action. And they are significant and white people are significantly hurt by it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, but the whole Asian thing, I mean, there was a Jew that was doing the lawsuits against colleges about, uh, you know, race, race-based admissions, uh, on behalf of Asians, not on behalf of whites, nothing. See, I, I will believe that a Jew is going to do something on behalf of whites, like when it actually fucking happens. And when it's, like, real and not some, like, Stephen Miller obvious, like, gay-op bullshit or just Finkel-Thing bullshit, right? Like, you know, because I just – I don't see it. I don't see Jews increasingly getting their way as being of any kind of a benefit to whites. I just don't. Have you found it yet? No. It's going to be a while back because it was probably in the beginning of the year. But yeah. um, I'm not seeing it on his Telegram, so I'd have to find it somewhere else. We'd have to have found it before the show. It's finding it now. Would be, <laughs> you know, we'd have to have it ready. Maybe during the break we can try and grab it. But trust me, it was it was there. Uh, people people listening will remember it. Um, oh, I found I found it on your channel right here. The from March oh, 10th, 2023. From it was from Race Realism Channel. Well, you forwarded it from Race okay. Realism Channel. The myth of Asian. Uh, the myth of anti-Asian discrimination in college admissions. If college admissions were based solely on test scores, the proportion of Asian students at top right. colleges would fall from 11% to 10%. Conversely, white students would rise from 66% to 75%. Right. Affirmative action is anti-white, not anti-Asian. Source, Georgetown University. Yep, that's right. Yeah, I remember that well now. So yes, if if based on test scores alone... And of course, now some people say, oh, like college admissions aren't based only on test scores. It's like, okay, fine. But you think an Asian is going to write a better essay than a white person? Doubtful. Especially since a lot of the Asians in universities are not from – are not born in the United States. I believe the majority of Asian – I could be mistaken. This is – but I think the majority of Asians in universities are from overseas. A lot of them probably are. But even so, those born in the United States still, Asians don't have high. They're not like the high verbal IQ guys. Like white people, white people do better verbal IQ than Asians do. Yeah. The spatial IQ or math IQ or whatever you want to call it, like that, they 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 tend to excel in, and sometimes like at peak levels are better than whites. But um, verbal IQ, white people are better. White people are much better at expressing ourselves verbally at writing. Like so, if 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 the di- if you're not basing it on test scores, or if the if the thing you're if the thing in addition to the test score is like an essay, that's only going to further select for whites because whites are going to be better essay writers. So yeah. it's just it, it's just like the whole fucking thing is just set up to hurt it's, us. It's and, not a it's not a scientific heuristic, but just think about the fact that you can't that none of you can think of really any famous. Asian a male Asian writers in the United States compared to the amount of white male writers, contemporary yeah. ones. And I'm talking about people of. that write something like other than manga. Yeah. Right. Like you could probably some people in the audience might know of like their favorite manga. Yeah, but those are but those, those people are in their own countries. So yeah. Yes, I mean, that's, that's true. I'm, yeah. That's true. That's true. They, they generally speaking, maybe some of them are even even still the, the manga writing is like what the fuck is this? <laughs> Well, you need to be better. You have to be more artistic for that than being. Yeah. Although there are some good writers. I mean, like, never mind. I'm not, I almost went to a tangent. Never mind. I'm not going to. Oh, manga. You, you not going to... Well, I don't know. Like, I, I've tried. But again, I'm sure, like, again, much is lost in translation, like with Bill Murray. Right. But like, um, yeah. well, Death but... Note was written by a, a writer artist team. That one had okay. that one had an Death actual Note was writer like, on legit it. Good. <laughs> that, yeah. that was actually fucking good. 
That's why I bring that one up because that yeah. one had an the the writer behind it was actually a very talented professional writer. Right, right. And there, there's been a few other things like that, but still, um, even so, those are people in Asia, and and still, it's like yeah. one guy. So, so yeah, it's just you know, um, so yeah, uh, oh yeah, that's right. Because I remember when um, when we were talking about the. Um, all the the Ivy League presidents being Jewish. I'm right now reading this profile of Alan Garber. Garber. Alan Garber this is from the New York Gar- Times. Garber baby. <laughs> yeah, he's a Garber baby. I mean, he's just like a Jew. <laughs> Alan Garber, an economist and physician who is Harvard's provost and chief academic officer, will now serve as interim president. The Harvard Corporation described Dr. Garber as a distinguished and wide-ranging scholar in a statement on Tuesday. We are fortunate to have someone of Alan's broad and deep experience, incisive judgment, collaborative style, and extraordinary institutional knowledge to carry forward key priorities and to guide the university through this interim period. Dr. Garber, who was appointed provost in 2011, has a PhD in economics from Harvard and an MD from Stanford. He's a member of the Association of American Physicians, the American Academy of Arts and Science, the National Academy of Medicine. Larry Summers! Former Harvard president, yes. Yeah, so that's who was. That's who used to be the Harvard president. I think before well, gay. Yeah, I mean, speaking of uh, guys of Asian wives, this is, he, <laughs> he's married to an Asian woman. Jewish guys of Asian wives. Well, there's like a whole like uh, you know theory of uh, like there's a, there was definitely like an autistic like anorexy style like theory of Jews like Jewish men with Asian women like breeding. Like, well, yeah, because that's because, because the anorexy. Yeah. yeah, because the NRX guys that are who say that are the children of these Jewish men and Asian wives, right? Or, or they're just they also <laughs> have like Asian wives, so they want to just say that like Asian yeah. wife is like elite status, right? Like, yeah, but yeah, NRX is just a totally is just like a completely mixed race movement. Like that's it's it's very much with there's tons of Michelings. Uh, it, there's not as many pure blood Jews in it. There's a lot of Michelings in it. This is something I noticed. A lot of mixed Jews and a lot of like people of weird mixed races, all kinds. A lot of it, which also tracks with my Michelin mm-hmm. uh, heuristic. A, a lot of those, a lot of those guys have Jewish dads and not, but non-Jewish moms. Well, I believe that's what Moldbug said. His his um parentage is, but I, I would be willing to believe Moldbug is just a full fucking Jew. He might be, but that he was part of the – he – not the only reason, but he was part of the reason why I, I developed that heuristic because I just yeah. have encountered this pattern. But again, that doesn't mean like they're like based or anything like that. It's just they have a different level of neuroses compared to, to guys that have Jewish mothers. Well, they have a different level of uh, – it seems like they, they serve like the Jewish agenda in like a different way. Like they don't want to they're, – they're definitely against like anti-Semitism and they're not going to be yeah. anti-Semite. But they're they more have a different calculated and, and unemotional compared to yeah yeah. But I mean, again, they still like. I think NRX overall like serves Jews. Like it's it's a Jew. Oh yeah. It's a Jewish sycophantic movement, and and it's it's increasingly become like um, self uh, um, self consciously so. Because it used to be when I would hang out with NRX guys back in the day, it used to be that they would be like, yeah, like. We know as the Jews, like low key, like they would say that kind of stuff. But then they would be like, "But that's not like." Then they would just literally do the thing. But you're never going to get anywhere saying that. So we don't say that. We don't take that position publicly. Yeah. But yeah, like all these institutions are run by Jews. Well, they pushed they pushed IQ nationalism because it was, it was self serving to those ends to be able right. to create to because a lot Asians and Jews were both attracted to it. People who would be excluded from a national socialist, white nationalist style movement, and it serves their in the sense that a lot of these those two groups will intermix. They'll serve even it self serves them even more. And wow, I'm stumbling over my words right now. Yeah, but my thing is also like the thing is I I question whether the people in white nationalism are actually like dumber than them. I really don't think we we are. Oh no, we've we've proven that. Besides that, we've we've proven time and time again that even if you take certain aspects of IQ nationalism to be you know some of the more questionable aspects to be true, that still doesn't explain why whites are so underrepresented at all levels across all institutions. Right. Right, and also just like frankly, um, like when you're white, like IQ nationalism just doesn't hit. I'm sorry, like it just doesn't. Like fuck yeah. that, I don't care about that shit. Like I just don't give a shit. Like that's 
that's some mixed race urbanite shit. That's for that's for like yep. literally, yeah. And and it's just honestly, it's just like another. It's just another one of these Jew fucking movements. Like you know, it's yeah. But um, <clears throat> absolutely, they were trying to contain smarter white nationalists and like recruit them into their thing. Like they were absolutely trying to do that with me early on in the, in those days in New York. But I also feel like um. You know, a lot of people were attracted to it initially just because it was, like, racist. But it was, like, racist and intelligent rather than, like, you know, what their perception of, of racism was before that. But anyway. Well, the, re- um, the resentments our thing generates is because, like, you have these different schemes. That on the low level, you have the mm-hmm. the uh, the Christopher Rufo-style uh, anti-wokeness mm-hmm. scheme, and then you have the IQ nationalism scheme, and there's other ones as well, But the, which at the end of the day, it's about taking concerns that white people have and recentering Jews as right. the object of concern to the point where you even have them arguing like, no, they're, like, we, in order for our, to have a robust, successful white nationalism, we need to make sure that Jews aren't scared by it. So that's why we have to come to some kind of uh, a rapprochement or agreement or alliance or whatever right. with them, but it's all about recentering Jewish feelings and Jewish concerns before you're allowed to express yourself as a white person on any level. And we always point that out: it's like, no, we're not going to recenter right. Jewish feelings. Right, right, and that's the, basically that's the that's even at the root of the whole thing of like, hey, you know, if you don't go inside with Palestine, uh, then you know, maybe we can get something on immigration or now maybe we can get something on DEI because, oh, look at this. Maybe now, uh, because of the Jew issue with Israel and Palestinian, not wanting Palestinian protesters on campuses, because frankly, but the reason that Jews want this is not because they're like inherently worried about that. They're not going to put white people back in those positions. They just don't want the new elite that's going to be coming out of these institutions to be inculcated in anti-Israel feeling because they're going to have to be in Congress and they're going to have to be in institutions and they're going to have to be funneling money to the Jewish state and supporting it once they get put into high-level posts and things. So they don't want the institutions that create new elites having a culture of being anti-Israel or have these people being raised up in a culture of being anti-Israel. It's just like they, that's what that's their agenda. There's nothing for white people in that. And it's totally on their terms. And so it's it's like if, if I'm going to – I'm simply never going to take what Jews want and make that any part of any agenda that I'm going to support. I'm always going to oppose it. I, I want the Palestinians to win. I hope Israel loses. I hope their fucking state gets destroyed. I have no illusions that Jews staying in power or Jews keeping Israel or Jews resecuring the Middle East in their own interests is going to lead to a single fucking thing for white people. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. Like, and I know everyone listening to this agrees, but it's like this is the viewpoint. This is why people get angry at us. Yes, because yeah. you're right. They, they come up with schemes about here's how I can sort of soft, like soft pedal the Jewish issue and get something for white people. And even though it's never going to fucking work, even though it's never going to work, it, it, it's going to make me feel like I'm accomplishing something briefly or maybe make take some heat off me briefly or, you know, something like that. Or maybe even get me some donors and money or something like that. But I, we will well, never also, fucking do that shit. They also think things like, like – because it is true that politics is the art of the possible and politics is the art – of the compromise but the thing is like you you the person who's coming up with these schemes you have nothing to offer them all you're doing is trying to gatekeep us essentially on behalf of them and hoping maybe you'll get something out of it but one thing you have to offer you're not gonna get anything if anything is like containing white nationalists is containing the actual anti-semites which there are people that have put that out there that that's the scheme that they are doing there are legitimately some that have put out there like, hey, without me, then the real Nazis are going to come if you don't let me be out oh, here yeah. like gatekeeping, right? What, what but, was it? What, was it Cernovich or Gavin McInnes or both of them or – oh, no. It was – um, what's his name? It's uh, the Canadian guy, the one that – the more hardcore Nazi than us. Oh, what? Oh, God, I can't remember his name now. Uh, Crowder. Crowder. Crowder did, said the oh, same Crowder's, thing. Crowder, yeah, Crowder was saying this, yeah. 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 
Yeah, yeah he did, I mean, he, he. I remember he tweeted out exactly that. That if you gate, if you do not, if you prevent me from being able to make a living and platform my views and get, get out there, like you're all you're going to do is unleash the Nazis. I'm containing them. Right. Right. And and on some level, that that might be. That's going to get that 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 kind of bargain might work for you, but all that does is work for Crowder like individually. Like it doesn't get anything for white people generally. It just is like okay, Crowder is like on the air, right? And and then even that was I think he's I don't know what happened with him and the Ben Shapiro contract thing. If he's still around, I think he he still is, but I'm not sure. I think he got a serious blow to like his funding or his access. Well, he, sure. he got he got. They really people who within the conservative establishment who hate Crowder really helped blow up the situation with his with his wife or ex wife. I don't. Basically, they mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. made sure that his personal life is getting is getting dragged out into the open. Yeah. I don't know how that resolved exactly, but they made yeah. a big deal out of that, that. There was when when I saw that shit like with him fighting with his wife or whatever the video that was. I was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about that because like that just is. I don't give a shit if the guy fights with his wife and. Frankly, that's just sleazy shit. Whatever else I think about Crowder, like I'm not going to go there, like because it's just, it's just like I, I see what's going on. Like I understand what's happening. I'm not going to participate in it. And also, I'm not really in competition with Crowder too much, so it's yeah. like whatever. But um, I'm not going to make Ed Shapiro's life easier. No, absolutely fucking not. Absolutely not. No, Crowder is still I prefer him than Ben Shapiro just because he's white. But like, yeah, I mean, that's the sort of the. Um, the thing that has earned us and you know that can even it can even be like that can even be applied to like ukraine and stuff like that like these positions of us saying like no sorry uh that's not what you think it is that's like let me be tell you the brutal and honest truth here that no jews are still in charge and i think with this stuff this academic stuff this is a much is going to be a much easier thing for people to swallow what we're saying because it's so obvious it's like nah plus people don't like fucking rufo and they think they can see he's obviously fake and when he's out there talking about colorblind equality it's just like all right guy like thanks for setting the bar nice and low and um because they, they you know that that's just like actual like so-called colorblind equality would just mean white people would be allowed to retake major institution academic institutions at least and would be able to reclaim the top spots in all kinds of professions and careers they're never going to do that they're never going to do that and christopher rufo himself would turn against it if he saw that that was the result so i don't know again as you said there's the asian thing but you know ask him like you know do you assume chris that anytime you see a black person at the top of anything that like they they deserve to be there, or do you assume they're a beneficiary of DEI? Why do you assume Claudine Gay is a beneficiary of DEI? Did you think so before the plagiarism accusations, or did you did you not think so? I want to know what his opinions on MLK and the yeah. plagiarism accusations because yeah, they always hold him up. Yeah, well, yeah, I want to hear if you ever get a chance. To, if anyone in the audience, you ever get a chance to press Rufo on something, press him on that. Right. Yeah. MLK also plagiarized. So he should be thrown in the trash then too, right? He needs to be stepped down as the president of white people. <laughs> yes. So I don't know. I don't know how much more on the gay thing. Um, I mean, we understand what's going on. Um, you know, the, the plagiarism accusations only ever came up because Jews wanted her out. Because they yeah. didn't like how yeah. she responded. Uh, and, and oh, there was something else actually I want to talk about on this. There was an article in the New York Times recently uh, about how Columbia avoided um, how Columbia's uh, president. This is from five days ago. Yes, I, I, I had saved this in my little folder when I read it the first time uh, for this show. How Columbia's president has avoided fallout over Israel Gaza protests. So, one of the things they is mentioned that, was: is the Columbia president is that the one that's like an Arab? Yes, it's an Arab woman whose husband is a strong, suspicious candidate for Jewish supremacist. She used to be married to Muhammad El Aryan, but she divorced him and is now married to some guy who I'm almost positive is Jewish, 
but his name is – I forget what his name is, but um, I, I can look it up in a second. It says, protests over the Israel-Hamas war royal Columbia's campus for weeks. Then the campus and its president receded from attention for now. So this is from December 29th. Um, I remember when this came out by Sharon Otterman, who for sure is Jewish. Um, and weeks after October 7th, Columbia University was the scene of rising tensions over the Israel-Hamas war on American college campuses. A Jewish student said he was assaulted after putting up posters of hostages. I'm pressing X on that. Pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian students accused one another of support for genocide in a series of heated protests and counter-protests. Uh, but as the fall semester ended, Columbia faded from the spotlight, even as its peer schools, Harvard and the University of Pennsylvania in particular, were scrutinized over their responses to the war and claims of anti-Semitism on campus. Supporters of Columbia's president, Nemat Shafiq, credited her diplomatic skills in avoiding similar public relations crises, but detractors said, here's the, here's the truth, detractors said she has bent too far to the demands of Israel supporters, angering students and some faculty members, but keeping powerful donors and trustees happy. <laughs> so they also mentioned that when she was asked to go to the congressional hearing, she said she had something else where she was going to the COP28 climate summit in Dubai where she did some stupid thing about like women and climate, which is just like retarded and <laughs> fucking stupid shit. Women and climate. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Is it, is it women and, cl- and climate because it's going to be the coldest takes you've ever heard? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's single handedly that fucking speech could solve global warming. It's so frigid. It's a bu- it's a bunch of frigid women there. Right? Yeah, right? absolutely right. Yeah, bunch of frigid women with cold takes. That that right there. <laughs> yeah, they're worried about global cooling. <laughs> yeah, well, Dubai, like Dubai, they they lowered the average temperature of that place significantly just by being there. <laughs> But uh, this is the congressional hearing didn't go well. So they're basically saying she lucked out by just like n- having something else to do and and not getting subpoenaed again. Like Congress apparently was willing to let her not show up. So I don't know exactly how that works. They subpoena you and you're like, but I can't go. And they're like, no, but you, you have to come because it's Congress and we're telling you to come. So I don't know. But anyway, um, <clears throat> um, and they said that um, – Shafiq announced a new initiative called Values in Action, which he called for informed debate, not taunts or cruelty. Still, she is walking a precarious path, but she also banned Students for Justice in Palestine. So that's yeah. I mean, you you don't really make your allegiance uh, allegiances clearer than that, right? So it's like, um, yeah, so. Again, it's just like um, – so her call for compassion and respect, some students said, does not reflect what they say has been repressive effort to rein in pro-Palestinian protesters. And there's a link here. Let me see what that link is. Um, anyway, that has gone further than any other Ivy League universities. In November, Columbia's administration made the extraordinary decision to suspend two pro-Palestinian student groups – Students for Justice in Palestine and Jewish Voice for Peace. That's interesting. And uh, I just think that the university is not identifying the proper threat, said Dean Halim, another Arab, third-year law student, leader of Law Students for Palestine. The current threat right now are the universities that are shutting down pro-Palestine speech. Yes. Well, from his perspective, absolutely. And yeah, I would would say that's also true because that just means – that's just Jews consolidating their grip on these institutions. And basically what's going to happen, and I'll bet you that the pro-Palestine left is feeling this, is they're like, oh shit, Jews are starting to mete out consequences at the highest levels of at the academic profession to people that were put there through, uh, you know, basically through like racial selection, racial and sexual selection, because there was this thing with the, uh, a bunch of these new Ivy League presidents that came in in the last couple of years were all like women. Um, 
and so because before it had been a bunch of men and then it was like all these women so like the only two men left were yale and princeton where there were still just two jews two jewish men ahead of those institutions but the other uh, rest of them all brought in like women presidents in like the last couple of years um but it's like what's happening here is jews are just dishing out consequences to people at the top at the top levels of the professional academic or whatever intellectual establishment for not reigning in the Palestine stuff. They have certain laws in some States, although those are red States. And so, you know, it's, it's like, how much is that taken seriously or not? But, um, I mean, it is in those States, but like, um, this is just like, I also don't expect that we'll have another thing where any of those anti BDS laws will ever get overturned by the courts again. Because there was a time when some of them were overturned by the courts. That's not going to happen anymore. Um, so what they're going to do, what Jews are going to do here, is they're just going to bang out through just probably a few years of struggle over this shit. Um, they're just going to get rid of Palestine movements on campuses. And they're going to force these liberal institutions to just eat that. Just eat the fact you don't get to be pro-Palestine or the pro-Palestine stuff has to be extremely limited in its scope and and rhetoric and um and as israel gets worse as israel commits more genocide as israel kills more people the uh ability to protest against it is going to get more and more limited and that's just what's going to happen that that's the goal at least that's what they're going for they're not going for helping white people that's just silly and people saying that i'm sorry you're wrong and i hate to be the rat at the garden party but you're just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, until until you get... Jews are the problem, okay? They're not ever a part of a solution. There's no solution to this that includes working with Jews or Jews remaining in power, period. They're not going to give us what we want. We have to take it. They have no interest in giving it to us, and we don't. we don't really have any bargaining chips with them. And by the time we have bargaining chips, that means we'll be able to exercise real power. So fuck them anyway. And they don't take you seriously either when you make all these caveats for them. They just see you as somebody that can be used and abused. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I, I sometimes, you know, you see schemes like, well, if we divide up America into multiple ethno states, Jews in America can have like Long Island or someplace. So that's like, why? Like, why did they get a why consolation prize? Why should they prize? agree to that? They like, already have. Yeah. Well, are they going to give us Europe as a consolation prize if they lose a power struggle with us? Is that how that works? No, of course not. No, I mean, when Jews won the power struggle with with the Europe with the white race and Europeans in World War II, when they won that, when they when they came out victorious, they took all of Europe and America. And they're like, "This is ours now. Yeah, we run this. No consolation prizes for you. No, yeah, you, you get no you consolation. Get a, you don't get a you don't get a second place ribbon. Yeah, yeah, why? And that's the other thing. It's like the, you need to if you if you're even going to try and bargain with them, you have to threaten them first. You have to have a threat. You have to really be able to cost them something but when you come out of the gate bargaining with them when you have nothing in your hand right like we're trying to get something in our hand and then we won't we still won't bargain with them (laughs) but no but my point is that like they need that's how they need to think of you if they're not going to even respect you for a second if you if you're coming out of the gate with no power and nothing to offer like Here's the bargain I'm offering to Jews. It's like, all right, yeah, you just look fucking stupid. You just look dumb. You look dumb to me, and you look dumb to them. So, um... I was looking up her husband uh, again. Still can't find any good information on Raphael Jovine. Yeah, he. I don't know. It, it could go either way. Like, he looks yeah. kind of Jewy, but he could also be, like, French. I think he's French nationality. He was born in Munich. He's like, he's oh, right, right, Br- right, yeah. he's British born in Germany. Yeah, I don't know. I I can't say he he's a definite candidate, but I can't say I know for sure. But he's not so he's not his career isn't that Jewy though. That's the one thing. Yeah, he's he, he's a molecular biophysics and biochemistry. Right, and so my question would be: Is he involved in some kind of like political thing? Uh, I looked. Activity? I can't find anything. I even right. looked into his daughter. Into uh, his daughter. That's she's what, an yeah. urban. She's an urban planner. 
Right. And so that nothing makes came me, up either way. That makes me think, you know, we're likely looking at um, a white person. Yeah. But um, it is interesting, though, that you ha- that these people know where their bread is buttered and they went out of their way to make sure that they don't get in trouble for anti-Semitism or accusations of such. Okay. So there's some more stuff that Columbia University did here. So um, – Dr. Shafiq was appointed her role only recently, uh, blah, blah, blah. She's known for her support of diversity initiatives. Shafiq's view on politics and the way her personal experience may have influenced them can be hard to decipher. Mr. Mendelssohn, so I guess they're talking to somebody named, oh, Victor Mendelssohn, a Columbia trustee who supports Israel and Dr. Shafiq. She's been, oh, here's what he says. She's been responsive. She's been out and about on campus, and she's been very careful Try to make everyone feel welcome. I mean, everyone who is following the rules, obviously. <laughs> and the rules are just like, do do what, you know, obey Jewish orders. <laughs> Those are the rules. Um, one couldn't figure out her personal views because she wanted that evenness on campus. That's one of the key reasons I was supportive of her candidacy for president. Uh... Two days after the Hamas attack on October 7th, Dr. Shafiq issued a statement saying she was devastated by the horrific attack on Israel. I'm like, dude, has a single fucking one of these, has a single one of these people put out a fucking statement saying that they're devastated by the by the continual, ongoing, brutal bombing of Gaza? It's killed probably 25,000 people by now. Has a single one of these devastated fucking people ever done that? No, because it would mean their fucking job. So already, like this, already, like th- th- this country, like the institute at the institutional level, like it's so biased towards Israel. Like you, you think that it's not because you see some criticisms here and there, or some like some fairly intense criticisms even in some quarters. But at the fucking institutional level, Israel runs the show. Israel runs the show. Jews run the show. Jews are all over the boards of these fucking colleges. They, they're donors to all of them. And at the end of the day, they get what they want. And until now, they were just willing to let pro-Palestine groups like exist for a little bit. But now they're not. So she suspended the Students for Justice for Palestine, saying the group has repeatedly violated uh, campus safety rules. And they now have to uh, get permission and give 10 business days notice before holding an event. And basically what that means is either they won't get permission or if they do get permission, um, there will be 10 business days for the Jewish Zionist machine to get a counteraction going that will effectively be out there to dox and harass and ruin the lives of anyone who goes to participate in that action. Yeah, they can procedurally mess with them. Yeah, well, they can procedurally mess with them. They also will just be. They'll also just have like a, Zionist, oh, yeah. a counter a Zionist counter protest there. Canary they'll mission have, will be out, will yeah, be on scene. Yes, they'll have people there to take their pictures, to get all their docs, and to put them in databases and make sure they never get to work for this or that law firm or this or that um, fund manager or this. Or, you know what I mean? Just blacklist them and shit like that. Like, like basically, what all these Jews in finance and, and shit like that, like Bill Ackman and whatnot was saying like that's what they're going to do so again you know as someone who's who's a like a, a hated political dissident hated by our elites i mean uh i understand exactly what the implications of something like that means when they say yeah you're gonna have to announce it ahead of time and get you get 10 business days it's like okay as someone who understands when you go up against jews what that means to announce something as someone who was at charlottesville I understand what it means to give Jews warning that you're coming. It means they have a they're gonna have a whole fucking thing set up for you. They're gonna have a whole thing set up for you, a whole trap set up for you to fuck with you. So, um, oh man, Canary Mission's been working overtime. I I went over to their site and just put Columbia into the search results, mm-hmm. and let's see here, let's go five, ten, fifteen, twenty. So they go, they do do sort by twenty and. When I went to the bottom of the first page, every single one of the first 20 entries were last modified today. So they've just been working overtime on all these different students at Columbia. Yeah. And and apparently, like, 
the Columbia is just like letting it happen. I mean, I don't know if the universities can take any action about that. They should. They should be able to. Um, but you know, I don't know if they do. Um, but yeah. But anyway, I thought that was that was interesting. That as you read this, you find out okay, this woman just basically did what the Jews want, and then they this is presented to us in this New York Times article as some kind of like even-handed approach. Right, some kind of like wise, even-handed approach, like taking being very measured in her response, taking everything into account. It's like, no, what's happening is you're facilitating genocide. That's what's happening with all these fucking people that slap themselves on the back, you know, and shake their own fucking hand for 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 a measured approach to this, of a measured approach, like understanding all sides. No, 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 one side is committing genocide, and you're facilitating it. Your both sides bullshit is facilitating it. But that's what your job is. Because you work for Jews. You work for the American establishment and you work for Jews. So ultimately, facilitating Jews committing genocide is ultimately part of your fucking job description. So, uh, anyway, um, we're about an hour in here. Um, Yeah. Yeah, we are. So, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back for hour two. But in the meantime... If you are listening to the free hour, go ahead, go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall, get a subscription um, to get uh, the you know the the free and the not free content, the paywall content to hear hour two of all the shows on the network and to support to support our efforts and uh, hear the rest of the conversation. So, thank you. I'm going to stop the recording here, and we will be right back. I'm going to keep the stream going, and we're going to take a short little break. And okay. We'll okay. 